You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes, we're going to be talking about Stephen Hawking, so you don't have to. Hi, I'm JR, and as one of the preeminent, if not the preeminent scientists of our generation and the generations before that, I decided that there was no way we could let the death of Stephen Hawking go without doing something about it on the podcast. And a few days after it happened, um, after the uh, Dara O'Brien meets Stephen Hawking documentary had been repeated on um, BBC One, it suddenly struck me that the person who was the producer and director on that pod, on that um, documentary was Paul Vanessis, who's been on the podcast before. So I thought, what better way to mark Stephen Hawking's passing than to get Paul Vanessis on to talk about the man himself and the documentary. And so, very graciously, Paul has agreed to come back, and here he is. Hello, Paul. Hi there, Jar. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Amazing. <laughs> was it, before we talk about anything else, was it a shock when you heard that Stephen Hawking had died? Uh, well, it wasn't, I, I can't say it was a shock, because, of course, he was he was diagnosed... Um, with uh, motor neurone disease, uh, ALS, mm. in 1963 and given two years to live. Um, and and when I made the film with him, um, he was 73. And 73 isn't, isn't a bad age. So it, it wasn't a huge surprise. But um, and it, I don't think it was a shock, but I think it was kind of one of those things that, that it was inevitable and possibly um uh he he had a little bit longer than than he thought he did i mean certainly well you've seen the film so you'll you'll know from some of the things that he said that um, yeah yeah that that he he knew he was living effectively on borrowed time so um you know uh I mean, what can i say i mean no, no one, no one wants to see him not here. No, the world, no. the world was a better place with him in it. So you know, it's a shame that that he's he's no longer here to for us to you know get the benefit of his genius, really. Yeah, yeah. And he left. I mean, according to things he said in the film as well, he never expected to finish the work he was doing. But he did. He he left things undone that he would have wanted to do for sure. Yeah, I mean he. Uh, he was trying to, um, in fact, well, came up with this kind of um, unified theory of, of the universe and how it works. Um, and I think that, I mean, one of his key uh, theories, which ultimately was, was proven to be correct, um, is that uh, things, things, black holes don't... Comp- completely suck everything in mm. uh, or rather they do but things can still be emitted from a black hole um, and he theorized initially that that um, particles could be ejected from a black hole yeah, yeah and then and then this was seen to be 
to be correct uh, in observations that, uh, and measurements that were taken by astronomers, by observers, uh, and the name that was given to it was Hawking radiation. So um, we know that uh, his his genius was was proven to be yeah, was yeah. proven to be correct. So um, I mean, I mean, what I find fascinating about somebody like Stephen Hawking. Um, you know, people like him uh, is uh, he's he exists um, in uh, uh, in this environment where he just has to think about stuff. He theorizes, and he's coming up with these theories based on um, processing ideas and thoughts, and and also looking at the observations of others. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he 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 didn't work in, in a in a vacuum. He did his own research, um, and he also worked with others, as you saw in the film. Um, and he was when we were filming with him, he was he was um, he was working with Thomas Hartog, mm. uh, who used to be one of his students. Oh, wow! Um, and then years later, they're back together working with each other. Um, and because his students um, have great experience working with him and know how how yeah uh, he how he works, um, when they come back to Cambridge to work with him, they can almost in a in a, in a way they can just pick up where they they left off really yeah sort of um, slot back in exactly and um, you know at the very beginning of of the film uh he you know he doesn't do small talk he yeah. says it he's very clear um he gets on with it and that was certainly my experience um making the film mm. he doesn't hang about he uh when he's working he works and uh, and that's what he focuses on because he doesn't he gets tired very quickly so he can't oh yeah um, yeah he he can't he needs to make the most of his time. Yeah. One of the things that I picked up from that, actually, talking about his theories and such, is that he's he's obviously doing stuff that you can't necessarily find practical answers for. It's got to be theoretical. But it, it seemed to me that a lot of the things that he was he, he he was talking about in that film, things like, I mean, for one, just one instance would be the bit where he talks about time travel with Dario Brian, yes. uh, and they talk about the fact that you can't go backwards in time, you know, regardless of what you whatever you might be able to work out about going forwards through time, going backwards through time is an impossibility, and it just struck me listening to that and listening to him talking about black holes and stuff that one of the things he was, one of the areas in which he worked was common sense science, almost, if you know what I mean. Well, yeah, I mean, don't forget that he is he's a, he's a, he's a theoretical mm. uh, physicist. Um, the, he's always looking at um, not wish, he doesn't, he's not the sort of person that, that is going to... Um, uh, uh, speculate. Mm. Uh, everything would be 
uh, if uh, to the extent that he did he did speculate because of course he did well yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it will it, it will be speculation based based on known facts or the or the research that he was undertaking yeah yeah and so um, uh, it's always going to be informed um, now I mean if you if you theorize something based on research and, and known facts um, I guess you can at some point be proven incorrect um, I don't think he he has been proven incorrect about um, about any of his theories uh, although I'm sure someone will tell me <laughs> that I'm incorrect about that <laughs> um, but I, I don't I don't think he I don't think he was I mean uh, the other thing is that, that, that not all scientists kind of agree with with Stephen Hawking's theories. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, there are people, scientists out there, who are um, possibly not as well known because Stephen Hawking was, yeah, a personality. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's he's a showbiz guy. Um, <laughs> he's made famous if he didn't have. The voice box, um, and wasn't moving around in a wheelchair. Arguably, he, regardless of the work that he did, he may not be the the, the famous genius that we all know. Yeah. Um, uh, so, his his disability to some extent um, made him the man that he was. Mm. Um, so. You know, people do disagree with Stephen Hawking, um, and they're not certain of his theories. But as to whether they've they've been able to prove them incorrect, that's a different thing. I'm not yeah. so sure that they have. Sure. Let's talk about the documentary then. I mean, one of the things that you've been doing for years is Sky at Night. So I'm not entirely sure whether you knew Stephen Hawking, whether you'd ever had any contact with him, with him before this film. But A, had you, and B, how did this film come about? Well, um, <laughs> Stephen Hawking Stephen Hawking did appear on The Sky at Night in 2002. I thought he probably would have done, yeah. And he has appeared since, but he didn't appear in it uh, when I worked on it. Ah, um, sure. And, and I had no uh, connection... With, with Stephen or his family before I made the film. And actually, I was not the first director uh, on the film. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, it, um, it, it, it came about in a, in a very fortuitous way for, for me because I got to ultimately to, to make the film. Um, but actually, what happened was it was, uh, I, th I think it was a late commission for BBC One and uh, Stephen was on board, uh, and I think Stephen actually was on board with the film before Dara was on board. I think that they were talking to to Stephen uh, about if they were to make this film, who he might be interested in um, being involved in it, uh, and it was Stephen's suggestion that that he'd like to work with Dara. Oh wow. Um, that's my understanding, and um, this was before I, I got involved in it. Yeah, and and I think it's be, it's because um, 
you know, Stephen's got a lot, lot of respect for comedians, but particularly uh, uh, people who are, have, have an open mind, but also, more importantly, um, studied astrophysics, <laughs> which, <laughs> yeah. uh, which, of course, Dara, Dara did. Um, and, uh, and Dara, back in the day, was obsessed with, um, uh, with A Brief History of Time, which is made very clear at the beginning of the film. Sure. Uh, and so the, the, um, the film was commissioned uh, by um, Craig Hunter uh, at, at the BBC and his science, science commissioner uh, f uh, from Rain Media. And it was, uh, if you like, it was, a, it was a kind of a sequel to uh, Joanna Lumley meets, meets Will I Am. Right, got you. Um, which was a film that they had previously made, which was very successful. And uh, they wanted to use that model for uh, another personality. And they thought, well, let's ring the changes completely. Uh, and let's see if Stephen Hawking's interested. Stephen was interested. He suggested Dara. And then they got a director on board, Elizabeth Dobson. Uh, producer director who's a brilliant director you'll see her name on things like who do you think you are hmm. uh, and they started making the film uh, with uh, crews and um, they'd mapped they'd mapped out um, pretty much what they what they were able to film over uh, several weeks yeah and some of it some of it involved Stephen uh, and some of it involved speaking to friends and and family, um, and um, but the bulk of the film with Stephen was was to take place over only three weeks. Sure. Uh, and um, unfortunately, um, they I think they did one sh one shoot with Stephen, and every time they tried to film, um, he he was unable to film for. All sorts of reasons, mostly medical. Yeah, um, and uh, and of course they, it, it was the crews were cancelled at the last minute, and a film crew for the for the day is, is a lot of money, and so they cancelled lots of dates at the very last minute, uh, and in the end Elizabeth said, look, the only way th that this film is going to be made, um, is uh, is if you is if I sack myself and you engage. Uh, a self-shooting producer-director. Yes. Um, and so uh, I I got an email from um, uh, a very good friend of mine, Keaton Stone, and um, he said, you better send me your CV because I'm working on this Stephen Hawking show, as you know, um, and um, they may be in need of a self-shooting PD. So um, I sent my CV um, and the very same afternoon I had a phone call from Elizabeth and we had a chat and she said can you come in to the office uh, on Tuesday uh, this was on the Friday and it was it was it was the, the, the it was the end of 2014 and it was the pretty much the last day it was the day before Christmas Eve I think oh wow and um, <clears throat> and so I went into the office in Hammersmith and um, had a chat and that was it they, they engaged me uh, <laughs> to make um, Dara O'Brien meet Stephen Hawking um, and I would be self-shooting it yeah, with yeah. a sound recordist and, 
and that and that was it. So that's how that's how I got involved. Um, kind of, kind of, it, because Stephen was ill. Yeah. Um, and um, and the first shoot that we did, uh, um, they'd already filmed the premiere. So right. they had about three different camera crews on the premiere, and the first thing I did was to watch the rushes, and um, and that informed me um, absolutely about how I should approach Stephen hmm. if I wanted a good relationship with him, um, which was not to make the same mistake that Dara had made. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> when he walked into the hotel room, uh, which um, uh, which we def- we left in the film because we needed to get to, for people to understand the difficulties of communicating with Stephen. I was just going to say that bit at the start there is very informative about how, how things were going to have to go thereafter, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so, um, uh, I decided that, that, that when I met him for the first time, I would only speak to him in statements uh, or in rhetorical questions. Um, okay. Because if I if I asked him a question, I knew that he would feel the need to answer it. But, yeah, yeah. But but if unless he has the questions that you're going to ask in advance, it takes him about seven minutes to to type a sentence. Wow. Uh, he's only got, um, and I, I apologise because I I. I'm speaking to him as if he's still with us, you know. But yeah, um, yeah, no. I, I don't know whether I'll be able to get out of that habit. Um, That's fair enough. He, 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 he's only got the use of three muscles in his face, um, and so uh, it's quite difficult for him to um, control those muscles, uh, and and he has to type each letter one by one, and then move the cursor around on the screen. And he can only do that by very, very slight movements of his of the, his face muscles. So, um, so patience yeah. was required for for him, and you you just need to accept accept that. And so the first um, the first inter- uh, um, filming that we did didn't involve interviewing interviewing him, it, and it didn't involve Dara. It was um, just some additional shots that we were going to get with Stephen and Thomas Hartog, his PhD student. Mm. So that was the first day I had with Stephen. So there was there was just myself uh, and David, uh, the sound recordist, and, um, and Stephen and Thomas. Uh, and we did a, a short interview with Thomas um, before Stephen arrived. He was about. He was get, going to arrive at about half past eleven, and um, and then just be, at the end of the interview, I, I said to Thomas, "Okay, so look, Stephen's going to be arriving in about ten minutes, and um, we'll probably film until half past twelve, one o'clock, about an hour, an hour, an hour and a half, um, and then it's probably going to be lunchtime and Stephen will want lunch. Um, what will he do for lunch? Is, does he stay here? Does he go somewhere else? And he said, well, you know, Stephen likes to be um, seen with the students. Mm. You know, he, like, he likes the, 
he likes the normality of the canteen. And so he'll just go downstairs to the to the can, the canteen. This was in the maths, the mathematics yeah. building at um, at Cambridge University. He'll just go to the canteen and um, and he'll have his lunch there. And then I I wanted to ask the practical question, so I said, okay, well, look, what's the what's the food like in the in the canteen at uh, Cambridge University? Is it is it all right? And he said, oh no, it's it's shit. You know, but, um, <laughs> a- apologies. To Cambridge University canteen, <laughs> uh, the maths building. Apologies, but that's what he said. And um, uh, he said, "But you know, Stephen likes it, and he'll he'll have the soup. And the sausage rolls aren't bad. The sandwiches, they're a bit, yeah. they're 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 a bit motorway services. But you know." So I said, "Okay." Anyway, um, I, I, Stephen arrived, and um, it was a day where he was shaking hands. He doesn't always shake hands, so. Uh, Gina, his PA, um, lifted his hand for us, and I sh- shook Stephen's hand and oh. I explained explained to him what we were doing, and why I was there, and that we wouldn't be asking him any questions, and we were just going to be filming what was going on and just getting some shots for the documentary, and that if he had any problem with what we were doing, I'm sure that he would let us know in the yeah. usual way. Yeah. And I didn't ask him any questions. I just told him what we were doing and said who we were. And David, I briefed David, the sound recorder. He did exactly the same. And so we filmed for for an hour or so. Uh, and then he obviously had pre-programmed into his um, his 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 voice box um, a few things. Ah, uh, right, yeah. Uh, and so I think I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like, "It's time for lunch. Let's go to the canteen." Aye. Um, and I'd been I'd been waiting for this because I knew he got a good sense of humour, and I wanted to kind of I, I want I wanted to set the tone for how we were going to film over the next two months yeah. because it, it was obvious we weren't going to film in three weeks; it was going to be over months. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, I, I kind of paused for comic timing, and then I, I said, "So, so Stephen, is is the food of the high <laughs> standard one would expect?" of Cambridge University, uh, or is it like the BBC canteen? <laughs> and, uh, of course, he, 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 couldn't, he couldn't laugh, but he, he did laugh. I mean, this, there was this very, very broad grin ran up his face. I mean, you can see in the documentary, yeah, he's yeah. got three muscles. He can, he can give a smile. Yeah, you do see that quite a fair bit. Yeah. He's a, you know... He, He's just a normal guy, you know. So uh, he appreciated the, the humour, and I'm, I'm, and that kind of did set set the tone. It it it, it broke a few barriers. It set the tone for what yeah, for yeah. how we were going to carry on in the uh, over the next few weeks. Um, and then the next shoot, which was the first shoot I did with Dara, and I knew Dara of course because, I, in fact, I was I was in the middle of doing series five of Stargazing Live at the same time. Yes, um, of course. And so I'd worked with him for five years on Stargazing Live. Um, and then the next shoot we did was 28th of January 2015, um, which was the behind the scenes of the comic relief sketch. Oh, right. Yes, of course. Um, and again, you know, comic relief um, said, look, we can't have lots of camera crews running around. So if you're going to be shooting that, can 
can we also shoot some stuff with your crew? Yeah. And I assumed that they, they knew I was a self-shooter, uh, but they, it turned out that they didn't. And so <laughs> I, I agreed to this, of course, and, and of course then I was directed by, by them for their bits, and then I directed myself and Dara for my bits. Right. And so if you, if you watch the, um, the comic relief behind-the-scenes video that they did on Comic Relief Night, there's a whole thing about about the making of that, which which was their production, but I shot for them. <laughs> um, Fine. And then and then and then there was our bit that, that we that we did. Um. And 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 that was the that was the start of it, and uh, it was um, uh, I, one of the most fulfilling programs that I've I've made in in my I don't know thirty years of doing it. Well, there's. I've noticed because obviously I've been looking around at various things for this, but I've noticed that there are. It seems to me more than an ordinary amount of people saying about this documentary that it's the best documentary they've ever seen. So it's obviously touched people's hearts, and I, I yeah, would. I, I, yeah. Sorry, well, go on. Sure. Yeah, I mean it's lovely that people say that. Um, I don't think it is the best documentary that's been ever made. You know, that's <laughs> just ridiculous. Um, Civilization is a fabulous documentary, and the world at war. Mm. Uh, but you know what and, I mean. Things like and this. anything made, yeah. anything made by James Burke. You know, uh, you know. Look, it's it's it, um, it's it's you know, it isn't. It, it is a documentary, and it and it works. Um, uh, as all documentaries do, um, but um, it, I think, uh, because of it was commissioned for BBC One and it was a peak time commission. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it, it had to have a different um, a tone. It, yeah, it, it, it was entertainment. Yeah, and so um, it's de- it's designed as a as a as a piece of of entertainment. Uh, uh, not first and foremost, but that is ultimately what it is. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's interesting. I'm I'm a free I'm a freelance producer director, and I go to have lots of meetings about um, different programs that people are interested in me making. Um, and one of them recently was uh, uh, one of those documentaries about. Um, I think it might have been called NASA's Secret Files. Okay, yeah. Uh, and in the end, I just wasn't available to do it, and I had—I was in two minds about it because um, uh, it's one of those shows which, which is—it's kind of a bit overblown. Yeah. Uh, NASA have got secret files, I'm sure, but but they're not that secret. They're all at the National Archives, and and all these different movies and, and documents and photographs that they show off in these things which at the beginning they say we don't know what this is and it could be this and it could be that and in the end it's paid off and it's something fairly mundane yeah and, yes. and, they, and that's and that's how they structure it but the reason they make those programs is because the kind of people that watch them would never normally watch a science documentary exactly yeah yeah that's why they're there they're there to um They've got a different tone to get people interested in understanding about science. And 
and they're fooling those people into believing they're watching some kind of conspiracy thing. Yeah. Um, but that, but they're not. What they're actually doing is they're being educated. So um, this is, you know, the, the Stephen Hawking film is not like that, but it's doing a similar job. You're you're explaining about about scientific things that you you know comp- complicated scientific theories like Hawking radiation, which we explain because it was on the blackboard in Stephen's office. Um, uh, Dara explains it. Mm. Um, but but we're not ramming it down people's throats. We're doing it in, um, in, an, in a more, in an entertaining way. Yeah. And so You're kind you of know, sneaking it in under the radar in a, that, in a way, yeah. That, that's, a, that's exactly what we're doing. But at the same time, um, you know, considering it was a science commission... Um, there wasn't a great deal of, of science in it um, because it was really meant to be about what it was like to be in the presence of Stephen Hawking. Yeah. Well, That's... and also, and I guess you you might say, well, there's not a lot of science in it because it's more about the man. But then if you look at what's happened to the man, then the man himself almost is an example of a different kind of science that you're looking at just by looking at him. Yeah, it, it. I mean, he's he's just a, a phenomenal um, personality. Mm. Um, I mean, Catherine Tate said something interesting um, during the filming that he he he, he kind of he twinkles or it was yeah. something like that. Um, and um, and Felicity Jones again. Um, Yes. So, you know, so he likes he likes the ladies. You know, um, he 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 definitely um, has. You know, he he's a geek ultimately. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know it's why it's why he was happy to appear in Star Trek and um, and the Big Bang Theory um, and uh, exclusive here. He wanted to play a villain in Doctor Who. Oh wow. Um, and uh, that was something that I did approach the production office about um, last year, uh, because uh, I, I, because I've now worked with Stephen. On occasion, various productions say to me, "Oh, you've, you've worked with Stephen Hawking. How can we? How can we get in contact with him?" And so, of course, I get I put them in contact with um, his PA. Yeah. Um, and his assistant Jonathan, I I put them in contact that way, um, and uh, on on one of the occasions where I was making the introduction, uh, uh, Jonathan, his assistant, uh, said, uh, "This is all great, but when are you going to get Stephen in Doctor Who?" <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Steve, you know, Stephen wanted to, he wanted to play a villain. He would love to play a villain in Doctor Who. So uh, I said, "Look, leave it with me. I'll I'll." put the feelers out. And so I got in contact with um, the brand team at Doctor Who and said, look, if, you've, if you're interested, Stephen Hawking absolutely would like to play a villain. Uh, I can tell you now that it's difficult scheduling yeah. uh, any filming with Stephen. Uh, the comic relief material that they did uh, was done in the depths of winter 
and that was not great for him and he could only really do half an hour 45 minutes outside yeah but you know if it's in a studio somewhere and it could be done convenient to him i'm sure he'd be interested and they and they were very they, they, the message that came back to me was that they were very interested this would this would have been for the new series with jody okay yeah um, but um but then i know that nothing came of it they had they didn't then contact stephen after that because um i asked I asked them if um, yeah. the dot who people had been in contact and they hadn't. So obviously they were probably thinking, well, he'll be, he'll be around forever. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put him in series two. Yeah. It sounds um, like one of those things where you put the spring of an idea in their mind and they think, right, that's one for next year. And of course that's not exactly. Happen. Yeah. It's yeah, it, it, exactly. Exactly. So, um, um, it what a been shame! To see yeah, him. yeah, it would have been lovely to see him in, in in Doctor Who. I mean, it was lovely seeing Patrick in Doctor Who. Um, Patrick Moore. He, yeah, I mean, he was the saviour, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Which one was it? I can't remember. He saved the day in the eleventh so, uh, hour. Right, the the first one with Matt Smith. That's correct. Uh, yes, it was. Yes, yes. It's one of my favourite episodes. Great. So, um, so yeah, so. Um, it would have been lovely to see him in in Doctor Who doing something, even if it, if it was if it was some kind of cameo like he did in Star Trek. Mm. Um, but you know, there we go. Well, I've got to ask, and this is slightly a loaded question—not really a loaded question, slightly an odd one to answer, maybe. But given the sort of seven-minute thing and all the rest of it, but from the documentary, when you talk about him having a twinkle, you see it in the documentary. All the time, considering there's only three muscles in his face, you say are working. The amount of expression he gets out of them is quite phenomenal, really. But but what mm. was he like? And do is it possible when you're in his company to kind of forget the problems and just deal with the man? Yeah, uh, what 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 you can't once you um, I mean actually kind of Dara summed it up in the hotel room when he did actually uh, get get over the issue that he yeah. had with that initial communication. Um, you do forget. And then, and then when then he, ex- he expressed to, to Stephen on camera, Oh, I'm just babbling. And yeah, uh, I must fill the gap that you've left, which is a seven minute gap. Um, and then Stephen says, "Well, like, look, I don't do small talk." Yeah. Um, uh, and he doesn't do small talk because it's quite taxing for him. Yes. So, so actually, um, uh, we did a we shot a, a scene which is only we didn't use a great deal of it, um, where Dara is reading Stephen the newspaper. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we just. We just all sat around the kitchen table and um, had a bit of a chat and discussed the papers. <laughs> and so he, and we, yeah, and we filmed it. And um, he just took it all in um, because he's not going to go to the trouble of typing stuff because it's his day off. And actually, you know, he, yeah, you know, the fact that we were there filming uh, was a bit of an imposition on his day off. But nevertheless, it was his it was his day off, and so. Um, you, you, I mean, there are a few things I think that 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 I took I took away from it, 
which um, um, perhaps uh, is 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 a bit of a, is a bit of unseen hawking. Yeah. Um, when at, towards the end of the film, we were, and it was the last thing that we did with Stephen. Um, he was uh, showing Dara this prize that he had been given, uh, the fundamental physics prize. Yeah. And and he says to Dara, he, he used his words carefully. He said, "It's even more valuable than a Nobel Prize." Yes. <laughs> now, think about that for a moment. Think about what he said. Yeah. It's even more valuable. Now. And this is one of the reasons why um, in the voiceover, I, I mean, I wrote the voiceover, Dara um, put it in his own words. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes at the beginning in particular, he changed it completely. So the so perhaps the first 20 minutes is all Dara. Right. right. All, the, all the voiceover is all Dara. Um, but from that point on, it kind of settled down and, we, and he got the tone right. And then the rest of it is kind of, him reworking my, my voiceover script. Yeah. Um, and, um, and that's why I left, I left in the figure three million quid. You know, it's, it, it is more valuable. It's worth three million pounds. Nobel Prize is what, one and a half million? <laughs> um, or three million dollars, whatever. Um, uh, Stephen Hawking is certainly understands his value yeah yeah he understands his value so um uh he would have loved a nobel prize and he would have loved the check yeah um <laughs> and when he got the fundamental physics prize he was probably he would have preferred a nobel prize for the kudos yeah but he definitely preferred the check <laughs> um and but there's a reason for this i think and and that is i think there's you know, if you're a disabled person, um, and you you su- you survive by a thread, which he did, um, having financial security um, takes a hell of a lot of the pressure away. Yeah, vital. And um, you know, Stephen absolutely made sure um, that. That, that he could look after himself and and look after his family yeah always and you know i mean you're a family man so you know that how important that is mm-hmm. to have that feeling that you you know you can pay the bills and make sure everybody is yes. healthy and safe and and so um so fundamentally i think um this is a person who, who knew his value he knew what he was worth and if people wanted some of his time they were definitely going to pay for it. <laughs> um, uh, you know, he, and in that respect, he's just a normal, he's just a normal guy, you know. Yeah. It's what anybody would do in that position. If you, you know, I'm one of the most famous people in the world. If you want to, if you want to use me, um, this is, this is how much it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but also, um, the other thing is that, that um, he, absolutely was in charge of his uh of his household right right um so anything to do with um 
if he, they needed work doing on the house or anything like that, everything went by him. There was a problem with his door when we were there. Um, so the doors were, were remotely controlled so that, that, so that he could wheel his wheelchair through and uh, they, the, his carer could just push a button and the door would open. Right. And there was, a prob there was a problem with one of them. And this was being explained to him. Uh, and, um, and then seven minutes later, he, he gave his response, which, which was basically, you know, um, in not so many words, it, it was basically, you know, look, don't look, stop, stop messing about. Just, just, just get the engineer over here and get it sorted. Yeah. It was base was basically what he wants. You know, it's what you or I would do. Yeah. 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 Um, he's just a, so he's just a normal person who, finds it difficult to communicate and, and, and can't walk or use any muscles or make a cup of tea or anything like that. It all has to be done for him. Yeah. But, uh, but, but he, he hasn't let any of that get in the way of him living his life and doing what he wants to do. Um, and more importantly, getting on with his work, which is what he focused on. So, um, you know, I've just got absolutely the, the most tremendous respect for... Yeah. Um, for that attitude and for the and for the fact that um you know uh, money was not a dirty word yeah yeah it yeah a, it was it was an important part of of um, what he needed to do to stay um uh, to stay healthy yeah do you know changing the subject slightly the oddly the most moving thing i found watching the documentary was the bit where dara o'brien gets his autograph as soon as the subject of autograph came up, I thought, well, no, that can't be right. What on earth is going to happen here? And when they actually did the thing they did, I just found that, just that few seconds where that happened, I just found that oddly really moving. Yeah, it, um, it's just uh, an example of how different things are and yet how even though the things are different... The things they represent are the same, if you know what I mean. That's that's right. I mean, Dar Dara was getting an, getting an autograph from his hero. Yeah. Um. And the and the brilliant thing about um about Dara is that he can always see the humour. Yes. In, yeah. In, in this and, um, which is why he came up with the whole. You know, he's thinking all the time. He's he's incredibly clever he's much cleverer than me um and uh notice i didn't disabuse you of that <laughs> <laughs> it's true he is he's, he's much he's much cleverer than me i'm a director and um directors exploit exploit other people's uh intelligence well that's one way to look at it <laughs> yeah, we, no, we, that's that's why we're there. We, we have to be yeah, intelligent yeah. to identify that, but we, that's what we do. Mm. Um, and um, but when he when he, they'd already talked talked about time travel, and then I can't go back in time and tell the sixteen year old me. Thanks very much. You're mm. to blame for that kind of thing. He's yeah. just he's just having fun with Hawking, and and you know, and Stephen responds to that because he likes the humour, and that's one of the reasons why he wanted Dara because he's got respect for him as a comedian. That's why he wanted Dara to do the film. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so yes, I can see 
why. I mean, what's the, other, the other thing, though, about uh, what, what, what you didn't see, I mean, we filmed it all, but for time, yeah. obviously, we had to abbreviate certain things, is um, uh, not just anyone... I mean, if you go to, to a bookshop and find a, a, a printed thumbprint in a, in a second-hand copy of A Brief History of Time, um, how do you know that's Stephen Hawking's? Yeah. And so what they do is, when Stephen, when his thumb is put onto the book, his assistant then has an official stamp. Ah, right, OK. Which yeah. goes next to it, which his... PA then signs, uh, and then it's basically it's a, it's an authorized an authentication exactly yeah which is done there and then. So um, so you know if you spot any if someone's trying to fob fob you off with a copy of his, <laughs> his book with a thumbprint in it and it doesn't have the authentication stamp, they yeah. can get the mark they can get the marching orders. But that's a great example of the extra lengths you have to go to just to do something that for anybody else would seem terribly normal and easy, isn't it? That's exactly right. Um, I, th- I mean, it was so eye-opening, really, the whole, the whole thing. The, at the very end, um, I mean, the, the, there's a line that uh, Dara put in... Um, that he understands his own iconography. Yeah, yeah. And he's also very media savvy because film crews have been in and out of his office for years. Yeah. Um, news and other documentaries and whatever. And usually what would happen is they would, they would go in for, uh, let's say it was a big documentary for Discovery, they would go in and they would spend an hour or an hour and a half filming lots of shots of Stephen. Mm-hmm. And making it look really pretty, um, and Stephen wouldn't have to do anything other than just sit there, right? Um, and then they would go, they would go off, and uh, Stephen would would write his script or whatever for these documentaries, and then uh, his assistant would convert the text into the voice file, sure, and then the, the voice file would just be sent. Um, and so they, he wouldn't have to sit around for hours filming. They yeah. just get all the nice beauty shots, and then there would be his voice added in the edit later. Um, and that's how how those big serious documentaries were done. They'd spend all the time making the nice pretty shots of him, and then they'd edit it. Right. Um, which which that was an option offered to us, which Stephen, um, and I mean I was completely against it, but Stephen agreed. That actually we shouldn't make this film in that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, that we should um, that we should do it there, there and then. It needed to be reactive because we needed reaction. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can partic- tell watching exactly. It. Yeah. So, so particularly when we were doing the science the science questions um, in Stephen's office, uh, I'd always be scrubbing around. I'd get the shot at the the, the low angle shot of Dara asking the question and then I'd worked out how much time it took Stephen once he'd heard the question to trigger the answer and then I'd be scrabbling around <laughs> to, to get the reverse shot um, for Stephen and there'd be enough in there for me to be able to do that um, 
and when there wasn't, um, uh, I would stay with Stephen, and then I would ask Dara to pick the questions up again later. Yeah, I did notice um, one one instance of that. Just well, but not, uh, but only one. I think I I spotted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, if you want an alternative, if you look on the BBC website on the on the web page for that for that film. Um, quite a lot of the content that we weren't able to fit for the interview uh, in the documentary. Yeah. Um, we've put on as um, as additional content on the BBC website. Right. So it's it's definitely worth having a look because some really interesting stuff there that, that you would normally miss. Um, and while you're there, and while we should say it in case we forget to later because we are going to talk about something else briefly after this, but this the the documentary Dara O'Brien meets Stephen Hawking is still on iPlayer after its repeat the other day for perhaps yes. another ten days after this podcast goes out. And if you do miss it and happen to catch this podcast later, somebody's also uploaded it to YouTube, so you can also find it there. It is on YouTube. Um, bit naughty that. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I understand that that that. Um, it's not available outside of the UK on YouTube. Ah, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. So, um, so a friend of mine in Australia was desperate to see it, and I pointed him at at, the, at YouTube because that was a, the only other way you could see it. And um, uh, and he said, "No, it's blocked. I can't watch it." And he was he was really kind of not happy about it. Oh. not not unreasonably because he wanted to see it. Um, but just going back to the point about the, the voice, and yeah, the, and the yeah. iconography and and the and the understanding of his pla- his place in all of this. Um, at the end of the film, he um, we pretty much come to the to the end of the filming, and he he'd got lots of things pre-programmed, um, and the uh, he came up with that's a wrap <laughs> um nice we didn't ask him we didn't ask you he just came up with it and right. it was a nice way it was a nice way to end the film i thought I, I did wonder if you'd asked him to do that and now no, yeah no 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 that's all him wow um and then of course when the film was repeated um it has its own residence its own residence now yeah, yeah, yeah. Because his last word in the film, yeah, is that, and then because he he has now died, the BBC added the the dedication at at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's. I mean, my my dad rang me up, and he'd seen the film obviously when it first went out, and he said, uh, "I was okay until he said that's a wrap." Wow. Yeah. I've got to say, when I when I heard the news that he had died, because obviously we're friends on Facebook and I know that you've worked with him and I knew all about this, you were one of the first people I thought of and I wondered how you were and whether it had hit you badly or, what, you know. I, I mean, the, fir- the, the first... Um... Because, I mean, just to, to finish, sort of, because it's not every day you get to work with somebody like Stephen Hawking, is it? And that has got to have an effect on your working yes. life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's 
the most rewarding thing that I've I've done. I think really, um, I um, I loved making the film. Yeah, I loved I loved everything about it. There was nothing that I did not like about it. It was great, um, and um, and I and I loved the editing. I had a fabulous uh, editor, Mike Duxbury, who was just just genius, and the Steve Lapid and Mark Wells, who were the execs on it, were really open to trying lots of different things and and really focused on getting the best out of what we got. Well, I've got um, to say, just to interject slightly, for, for anybody who hasn't seen it and who might think it's this horribly dry thing where you've got lots of huge pauses and stuff, it isn't. It's tremendous fun, actually, oh, to yeah. watch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, as I say, it's BBC One. It's not It's not Horizon. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's BBC One. It's, it's entertainment. Um, the, the menu at the beginning where we're talking about everything, it's, you know, we're not, we're not using a bit of, you know, it's John Newman, you know, we're using, we're using John Newman, the credits roll with Ollie Murs, you know, yeah. it's, um, it's, um, the, the stuff with, um, at Comedy Relief is take that. So, yeah. you know, it's, uh, we, you know, we wanted, we wanted to make it, um, accessible, really accessible. Yeah. 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 And, um, and of course, there's lots of jokes. I mean, Stephen came up with his own jokes therein. Oh, yes. Very funny. <laughs> yeah, let's not spoil it for No, I'm anybody. not going to. No, absolutely not. Um, and, so, you know, it. so, yes, it, it was tremendous fun. But the, I think that when I heard the news, I mean, it was actually I got a text from Mark Ayres at about six o'clock in the morning. OK, and yeah. I, I was up anyway because... because um, I was getting on a plane to go to Philadelphia. I was filming in Philadelphia for, for the following day. Yeah. So well, that's that's where we had our conversation, isn't it? Yeah. So it it's um kind of um my first thought was was really um for um for Lucy and Tim. Yeah. Steve Stephen's two of Stephen's children. Um because this kind of nutty circus has followed them around all their lives. Yeah. Uh, Lucy says herself, you know, I did not need to lead a normal life. She did not. Um, and, uh, you know, we've stayed, I have stayed in contact with Tim, but mostly stayed in contact with Lucy. Um, uh, apart from anything else, she... She lives not far from where my digs are in in London when I work in London. Right. Um, and we've met up a few times and talked about um, doing some other stuff together, uh, some other programmes. So I, I instantly kind of thought of them, first of all, and they were the first people that I contacted um, just to pass on my condolences. Mm. Uh, and also to Jonathan... Um, Stephen's uh, technical assistant, who yeah. really is is just an absolute, uh, the, you know, the, the bedrock on which Stephen was able to operate. So um, uh, those are the people that I thought of first of all, um, and then then it, it was kind of a bit crazy. Um, Dirt Mags contacted me and said. We, we need to check that it's still okay for us to have 
um, Hitchhikers on the iPlayer because Stephen's in Hitchhikers. Um, right, yeah. Uh, and, um, and then I got on the plane, and when I got off the plane, Keaton, who'd, worked, who'd also worked the documentary with me, he'd sorted that out. I'd said to him, look, can you speak to Lucy because I've got to get on the plane, and if she responds to me, I'm going to be on the plane and I'm not going to be able to. Yeah. And then, um, and then when I landed, um, they'd already been trying to contact me because... Uh, I guess they probably thought I was the responsible person for the repeat. Yeah. I didn't know the re- I didn't know the repeat was going to happen. I didn't. I'll be honest with you. I thought. I thought it would be too light, for. Um, right. For that for the day, but actually it wasn't. It was. It, it was, was actually just right. Yeah. yeah, it was just right. Um, anyway, they'd they'd resolved all of those issues um, by the time I got to Philadelphia, so I didn't need to worry about it. So. Um, well, one so so pleased that it was shown again. You know, yeah. I just wish it hadn't. I just wish they'd shown it in in different circumstances. Well, yeah. One one more question about Stephen, then, and we'll move on and briefly talk about something else. But I guess last question: What's your overriding memory or thought or feeling of the time you spent with him? That's very interesting. I think it has to be sitting around his kitchen table. The whole, <laughs> the, whole the all the, the the group of us. So the, there was um, there was myself and um, David, the sound recordist. It was the last day of filming, so Dara, Dara was there. Um, Peter Lasky, the production manager, was there, and. Um, Joe Berry, who took who took a lot of the publicity stills, but he was also our kind of assistant, yeah, uh, camera assistant, um, and his housekeeper, and Stephen, just sitting around the table having a meal that his housekeeper had prepared, and we would, but we were just sat sat around all gossiping away and chatting, uh, and I just looked over to him, and he just looked really contented. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, I, you know, he, he is someone I think that that, um, because he's was unable to communicate in, in the, uh, in a convenient way. Yeah, um, and everything takes a lot longer. Was just happy with the social atmosphere um, that that a group of people around him gave him. Because I guess that's not something he had anything like the same amount of experience the rest of us would have. You know what? I th- I think he 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 probably had more social interaction than we think he did. Yeah. Because because we we make the mistake of thinking that he's an invalid in a chair and he doesn't get out much, and that's absolutely not the case. He saw people all the time. I mean. People were coming round to his house when when we arrived on um, at Stephen's house to film for the first time. Um, uh, it was on that day actually. It was the day after the Oscars. Oh and, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we arrived, and we we got all our gear out, and and um, uh, and I was waiting for Dara to arrive. And so I was there with, I, I'd, what I'd said to Dara is, I'm going to film you um, arriving in your car. So when you get out, I'll film all that and uh, we're going to go straight into the piece to camera. 
Um, so we're just going to go for it. So when you arrive, just speak to the camera and, and, and we'll do it OBS doc style. He said, great, OK, that sounds great to me. So, of course, I was ready, waiting for Dara to arrive. And then I noticed behind me there were a couple of uh, photographers. <laughs> um, and we were papped, basically, because they were expecting Eddie Redmayne to arrive at any minute to show Stephen Hawking his Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, they, they saw us turn up with a crew and they thought, right, we're definitely on now. Yeah. yeah Redmayne's on his way. Of course, it was, it was Dara. Um, and actually, in the, in the documentary, you, you know, the best laid plans, we weren't able to film Dara getting out of the car because when it arrived, it had a great big sign on the side which said Elite Models. <laughs> so because the car had been used the day before for some press things so we couldn't right we couldn't we couldn't we had to reshoot it with him just walking down the street but if you look on online you will um on some of the um uh the stock photo agency sites you, and do search for dara brian you will find shots of me pointing a camera at, at um at dara Dang. but yeah that i think that's the the best the, the most overriding memory apart apart from making him laugh of course which, yeah <laughs> uh, i'll be i'll be telling that one to 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 people until i drop <laughs> but um but yeah it was just sitting around his kitchen table and and just just looking up glancing up and you know every now and then he'd catch your eye and i i kind of nod my head or something to him yeah. just to acknowledge that you know, we yeah. had contact, yeah. um, and it was just kind of one of those one of those moments. It was just, it was, you know, it was just a really nice person to film with. He was great. How wonderful! Shall we talk a little bit of Doctor Who then, sinners? I've got you here. Why not? Why not? I was doing a bit of Doctor Who today. Oh wait! Oh, oh, are you allowed to say what you were doing today? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Oh well, tell me what you were doing today then, please. Uh, so. This morning, I was at um, a facilities house in West London um, looking at the uh, the conversions that have been done for the US box set of season 12. Right. Um, uh, just to make sure that they are uh, up to scratch uh, and they looked almost indistinguishable from the... From the um, from the 25 frame masters. Right, yeah. They look really good. Um, and uh, there's so much, so much love and effort has gone into this release. It's just, it's just really exciting. Well, this really is, exciting. yeah, this is one of the sort of worst kept secrets of the last few weeks, really, isn't it? Since the, <laughs> it kind yeah. of escaped onto some website somewhere, I can't remember, that there may be going to be a Blu-ray of season 12. And, of course, finally, a couple of weeks ago, it's announced. So you have been working on it then? I have. Um, so... Um... Well, yeah. How how did it? What was the thinking? First of all, well, I guess. Well, we. I mean, we first started pitching for at the invitation, actually, of of um, of BBC Worldwide to entertain as was in two thousand and fourteen yeah. um, to uh, to take on 
the role that we originally did at the beginning of the DVDs, um, the production of the remaining um, uh, DVDs of uh, Doctor Who. Yeah. So the the idea is that that from 2014 2015 we would take it on. In the end, they they decided that um, uh, that they they were going to just carry on as they were, um, uh, doing the odd releases. Um, but what we originally pitched doing um, season box sets on Blu-ray, and and they thought that was a bit crazy. Yeah. Um, but what? but what 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 I said? I mean, I said to them, look, um, what you will be able to say to um, the fans who would who would be buying this is that they can finally have on their shelf. Um, copies of such quality that they are at least equal the broadcast masters i was going to say and just to slight personal experience thing i guess is since as as i knew you were coming on i deliberately went off and looked at sharda which i bought when it came out but just haven't had time to sit down and look at and on my not admittedly not expensive not huge 4k tv the quality of the and particularly i was looking at the video in studio material the quality yeah. there on the blu-ray on sharda is fantastic miles ahead of the quality on the dvds because i guess it's been remastered to upscale it but also because it doesn't have any of the compression that's right so the dvd the the thing that really kills it is the compression yeah um, and one of the advantages of well i mean we were, talk- we were talking about this earlier, actually, um, at the facilities company because they were remarking on how good the upscale was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, but not only that, also on how good the the, the quad replays were. Um, there's a, a sequence we were looking at. We watched um, episode one of Robot, and uh, when the robot comes out of the door at the end. Um, there's a, a really bright red background where the robot in close-up yeah. uh, is, is standing there menacing um, uh, Elizabeth Sladen. And red is one of the most difficult um, colours to reproduce on analogue videotape, which is one of the reasons why the BBC colour bars um, had a big red patch at the bottom. They're called red patch bars. Yeah. Uh, had a big red patch at the bottom of them. Uh, so that it made it easier for the engineers to get the RF levels between the four heads aligned better to get the proper replay. Otherwise, you see banding across uh, yes. across yeah. the playback. Um, and so, um, uh, the other th- the other thing is that is that um, the one of the things that's helped us along the way in doing this is the transform decoder which people know about but basically takes the raw pal um, video signal and splits it back into um, the original um, RGB that came out of the camera and in doing so it removes the artifacts that that were put into the signal when when those those three signals were originally combined so that kind of 
um, cross-colour moiré patterning that you get on checks, fine checks or fine stripes. Right. That almost completely disappears, doesn't completely disappear, but almost completely disappears. And ringing on edges and highlights is minimised. Uh, it's still there. We saw it today on... Um, it's on the original power recordings, but we saw it today on the... Um, as a close-up uh, of Elizabeth outside the think tank where she's wearing her white hat and the camera's has overexposed her hat and so uh, you get this slight ringing on it that would be extremely difficult to remove um, uh, from, from any recording yeah yeah um, and it looks so much better now um, on, on this on this recording so yeah it's really good um, and the other thing I've noticed is is that um, the higher resolution and the upscale um, uh, means that it's easier to spot small imperfections in the recording and therefore they're easier to remove. Yeah. So um, Peter's done a really good job of, um, of getting rid of, um, I would say, probably 99.9% of the artefacts that were there. And that's Peter Crocker, of course. Peter Crocker, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Mark's been doing the audio as well, again, is that... Yeah, so, um, again, we, we we discussed about which programmes would make good 5.1, and they decided they had to do Genesis and yeah. <laughs> the Ark in Space because it's got this very minimalist kind of soundtrack. Um, I've not heard them. Oh, okay. But I'm told yeah. they're excellent. Right. But the, I mean, the, I got involved in it. Uh, so, so anyway, 2014, we abandoned uh, our plans for um, the box sets because worldwide weren't interested. Yeah. And then um, uh, Russell Minton, who's a producer in formats uh, worldwide, uh, I've known him since since he was a runner at the BBC. Um, <laughs> Uh, he not not a runner. He was on work experience at the BBC uh, at Pebble Mill in two thousand and no nineteen ninety nine, uh, and uh, he came on a shoot with me on work experience, and uh, for a show called Gardening Neighbours, and one weekend we we were remixing the Five Doctors in five point one, and I said to him, "We're doing a sound remix. It's for, only for an old Doctor Who, but you're you're welcome to come along." And then he confessed that he was a massive Doctor Who fan. <laughs> um, so wind forward, um, I don't know, nearly 20 years, and he's a very senior producer at Worldwide. Um, can't quite understand why um, the BBC aren't putting out classic Doctor Who releases anymore. Yeah, because yeah. We all we all know that people buy them, and when people buy them, they make money. And so um, he looked into it and put forward the case for um, a trial um, box set um, and um, and then the rest is history. It, what can we do to make it uh, a compelling purchase? Uh, and there's so much going for it. So oh, much yeah, yeah. Well, look... I mean, they look, they look great, the episodes. So... That's the number one thing for me, is that... You know, whatever telly you watch old Doctor Who on these days, 
on the DVD releases, you've always had a picture that doesn't look great on a big telly. But that's right. Going from what I saw of Sharda, and I and I flicked through quite a bit of it, looking at the pictures. This is obviously it's not indistinguishable from stuff that was made in HD, but it's a hell of a lot closer than I was expecting it to be. Yeah, I mean the 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 way I I look at it, um, we cannot we cannot add more detail. Yes, we cannot add more detail to um, to those pictures. There is no detail to add; it isn't there. Yeah. Um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make um, those pictures appear on a modern high definition or 4K screen, but principally an HD screen. Yes. Uh, as it as 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 good as it would have appeared on a twenty inch CRT in nineteen seventy four. <laughs> yes, because it would have looked absolutely cracking on a twenty inch CRT, yeah. an SD CRT, a cathode ray tube television. That's that's what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to make it look as good as it looked in seventy four on a, on a, on a, on a screen made for the format it was made in. Yes. Yes. Um, and so there are limits to what we we can achieve with that but i think i think actually we have achieved that aim yeah um, yeah i think they i think they are going to look um absolutely blistering on people's screens um the they are so good and um you know there's there's the episodes are still the same episodes that you <laughs> yeah. have seen over and over um I, Hopefully they're in a format now which is more robust and more durable for people to be able to enjoy um, as technology improves. Um, so, and the, I mean, there, there's one final thing that we could do if technology develops further, but I'm not going to tell you what that is. <laughs> um, Fair enough. <laughs> but um, uh, so the thing, the thing that I've worked on, I, I've made one of the new bits of VAM um, for uh, for this release which is uh, Tom Baker in Conversation yes and uh, which we filmed last December and uh, with Matthew Sweet and it's um, uh, it's described in the booklet as a, a, a candid a candid interview yeah. and it and it most certainly is oh <laughs> wow so, I don't. Th- I don't think there'll be. There'll be definitely tears. Oh really? Wow. Fair enough. The other extras on there as well. Then I mean, one of the things people have been calling for for years is to have the Tom Baker years released officially. That's yes. on there. I got to yes. say, I, I, I've bought them all on VHS twice in some cases. I bought yeah. them all on DVD. Um, trying to think what's in season 12 and what would have had special editions, Ark in Space, I guess. So again, twice in some cases. But this was an absolute no-brainer. This was straight away a pre-order for this. An absolute no-brainer. It's a must-have. I think it's... Um, I, you know, I think people, once they've got them on the shelves, will probably think, why did they not do this before? Yeah, yeah. Um, all I can say is we did try, but but it's um, taken yeah yeah it 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 took it took it's it 
basically took someone with with, with Russell's Russell Minton's kind of um, no nonsense attitude to getting things done to get it done. Right. You know, he made a case for it, and um, and they said, you know what, let's give it a go. So, bearing that in mind, I'm guessing, and you said it was like a test case. I'm guessing sales of this. Any more to come will depend on how well this does. So get your pre-orders in, I suspect. Yeah, I mean, look, it. we we don't live in the same climate that we lived in when the DVD started. No. Um, and there's absolutely no question that there is a finite uh, timescale for physical media. Mm. Um I don't think we're. I don't think we're at the end of it yet, by no. any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I, I think that um, you know the writing is going to be on the wall at some point. Um, there's still going to be, and uh, I think always a, a demand for a niche product. But yes. Whether 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 that on its own c- can sustain. Um, commercially, that's an argument that is going to have to be had um, by others in the future. It's it's not an argument that I particularly want to, to get involved in. But <laughs> things but seem what... to have even out. Actually, I think in the last couple of years, a bit in terms of this sort of thing. But yeah, like you yes. say, I mean, it, it absolutely has. Um, the um, the the thing about uh, this this kind of content um there is still a demand for it if the if the demand was not there then they they just would not do it yeah yeah if they if they didn't feel that um that they that they were guaranteed a commercial success they wouldn't do it and 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 you know people criticize uh, the bbc and they criticize bbc worldwide um a lot for not doing what they think that they should be doing they have to make a case for this um constantly yeah for this type of product um because they cannot be seen to be wasting money right yes absolutely uh, it's they're unlike any organization any other organization uh, uh, perhaps the only other one that comes close is the nhs people hate to see the NHS wasting money when it should be spent on clinical care. So um, the BBC is like is like that. Um, I guess people do whinge at, at the councils for yeah. for building sculpture, commissioning sculptures when they should be emptying the bins. But you know, just, I, uh, you see what I mean? It's yeah, 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 yeah. So 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 because the focus is is on this. People say, "Well, why Doctor? You know, why do you always do Doctor? Well, they're doing Doctor because there's a commercial um, uh, return that they get from it, and that money get, then gets fed back in to support the license fee, um, and that's a good thing. So, um, so that's why they do it. If if it did not make money, they just wouldn't do it. If it doesn't make commercial sense, they wouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. So while you're here, 
Can we yes. either quash or confirm a few rumours that are going around about various things to do with this box set? I mean, I'll just throw a couple of things that have been said and you can either say nonsense or no, you're thinking in the wrong direction or whatever. <laughs> well, I don't know, something that I heard said was now that, and I'm not sure, I can't remember if it was you that said this, but now that Blu-ray is about... It's unlikely there'll be any more DVD releases, unless, say, for example, I suppose more stories come back. But but now that you're putting the sets out on Blu-ray, it's unlikely, for example, that, that it would go hand in hand with revisitations on DVD of, say, Pyramids of Mars or the Dalek Invasion of Earth or Earthshock or something. Well, I don't know whether that's true. Um, uh, again, I think it, it, it would always come back to... Um, uh, what what the belief is in in um, the commercial set success of something like that? Yeah. <clears throat> so Pyramids of Mars, of course, was, is a title that we would love to revisit. There's no question. Um, uh, there are, I mean, there's, I mean, you could pick a few stories at random, and they'd probably be quite, quite make quite good contenders for a revisitation. Um, whether whether they believe that commercially now that they've decided to do blu-ray whether commercially those would be successful is it is another thing yeah i yeah. don't i i wouldn't rule it out um, um just because the blu-rays are coming out okay fair enough you know but um but let i mean let, let's look at reality um, yeah how many dvds have been released in the past few years well quite not many no not many and also i suppose if you're looking at something like pyramids of mars Chances are, if season 12 is coming out on Blu-ray, then any Pyramids of Mars, you know, extra work, any new um, restoration would be more likely to go on a season 13 Blu-ray than on an individual Pyramids of Mars release, I would have thought. Well, exactly. Um, So, for example, um, take a look at something like... um, Earthshock. You mentioned Earthshock. So, yeah. uh, Earthshock. Uh, there's lots we could do with that because uh, we've got some more studio material and we've got the film, certainly for episode one. Um, and so, uh, creating uh, uh, an HD master of those episodes, they would look very. They would look very nice. You know, we'd be able to do quite a nice, quite a nice job of them. Um, would people be interested in uh, in having that on um, on DVD. a DVD if, yeah. if they know if they know that in two or three years' time it's going to be part of a season nineteen box set? Well, quite, yeah. And then the other problem is is when you if you were to um, to pull DVD uh, titles um, at random, let's say for example you. You picked a Sylvester, and you picked a Colin, and you you had another Tom, and then, like Enemy of the World, there's an Enemy of the World special edition. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Enemy of the World is a slightly different case because there isn't much of season five left, but you get my point. Yeah. Um, uh, you then it then means that that you either treat it as a different market, so they're available at the same time. Or you leave enough space in time before you release your Blu-ray. 
Mm. And that limits what you can do commercially. And I don't, I don't think now is the time to limit your commercial. <laughs> no. You know. So, so, yeah. Well, one question. Is there already a follow-up Blu-ray set in production? Or is it literally a case of waiting to see how this one does before there's any movement forward? Or is that something maybe you couldn't say? Well, no. I mean, I can I can definitely tell you that 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 there's been no work on any on anything else uh, because we're still working on season twelve. <laughs> ah, fair enough. Um, I mean, I I only finished my feature, my Tom Baker feature, um, on Thursday. Oh so, wow! Uh, and I delivered it today when I when I went in to look at this at the content. So. Um, uh, and and there's all sorts of reasons for that. It's, I'm doing a, I'm directing another series at the moment for CNBC, so I'm kind of here, there, and everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, so no, there's there's nothing happening with another box set. I mean, lots of people have been talking about about what the next one might be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we we have talked about it. Um, well, you've so, got to say you know, now what you've talked about. <laughs> well, no, you don't have to. Obviously, you know, we've, we've, we've <laughs> talked about we've talked about a lot, you know, that we could do and what we could do with them and what would make you know um, commercial make sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What would make, well, what would make it? What would make it? What, yeah. what can we make a difference to? Um, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think the first few need need to have um, genuine really good additional content yeah and then once once we see how people react to that that will dictate how we approach everything else sure yeah right before we go then Paul because we've been talking for nearly an hour and a half there's no way I cannot ask this question without getting lynched seeing as I've got you live on a podcast is there <laughs> anything going on in the world of missing episodes uh, well, uh, I've no idea. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's interesting. People people thought thought that that um, I was making some uh, sneaky uh, hint that the Web of Fear episode three had been found by photographing a yeah yeah a can of film on Tottenham Court uh, Tottenham Court Road tube station. Um. And the something borrowed something blue that I pinched um, uh, from uh, from uh, Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, there's absolutely nothing in that. I mean, I, that 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 can of of um, well, it was actually an empty can, but it has now got film in it. Blake Seven, um, wasn't it? We, yeah, it was going to. It was for Blake Seven. So basically, um, somebody put these film inserts of Blake 7 on eBay they wanted 350 quid and knocked them down to 175 wow bought the bought the film um and um discovered actually it was in really good condition but the film was you wouldn't want to leave it in there it was a state oh yeah it was rusting right the way through and so i needed a new can and so as i said to steve uh, Roberts, can you borrow a nice thirty-five mil can for me? Um, so it's a borrowed can from <laughs> the BBC archive, borrowed. Um, 
and um, uh, he gave it to me at the Fitzroy Tavern um, in London. Uh, and so I was walk I was walking back and got down to Tottenham Court Road tube, and the reflection of Tottenham Court Road sign it was reflected perfectly in this almost mirrored finish of this brand new film cam. Uh, and I thought, oh, I must grab a picture of that. And it was because the it's basically it's red. It's a red circle. The the underground logo yeah, is a yeah. red circle with a with a blue stripe across the middle and and the text in white on the on the blue, which is and like was, the Blake Seven logo, apart from anything uh, else. I I didn't I didn't uh, consider that, and, <laughs> and so I thought I must take a picture of the of the blue, and then um, uh, this reflection. It's kind of weird and wonderful and beautiful, very beautiful. And then I held my uh, the can out and tried to take the picture as the train was arriving in the, on the station, um, and um, and it just aligned perfectly. The, the 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 bottom of the can, the rim of the bottom of the can, um, matches perfectly with the circle of the underground logo in the background, and it reflected the red of the um, of the circle exactly where it should be uh, in 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 the picture. And so there was no blue reflected, but it was a perfect reflection. Right. So I so I then tweeted it um, and it and because I was on the platform and getting onto the train, it didn't upload for about three hours. Um and and then I forgot about it because I'd been in the pub. Well so. you're talking you're talking about all these images like a director rather than like a fan and you know that's wrong. You should never do that. Uh <laughs> well look I mean the other thing is you know, and I think it's, I think it's worth saying that um, you know, yes, I'm working on Doctor Who at the moment, but I haven't worked on Doctor Who for about four years, um, and but I do still do a lot of work with film. Um, there's another project I've been working on, which is an entirely film uh, restoration project, nothing to do with Doctor Who. Um, so. I'm working with film and film cans all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and so, you know, it's, 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 it's you know, th- that was that tweet was nothing to do with Doctor Who. And also, and it, and it wasn't really anything to do with Blake Seven. Well, know, but but also, you, you know, if you're a Doctor Who fan and you're passing, I don't know, somewhere where Doctor Who was filmed, you'll take a picture of yourself, or you'll take a picture of your toy Yeti in London Underground, and you'll tweet it, and it's just a nice picture that you took somewhere interesting. If yeah, you work, yeah, yeah. if you've ever worked on anything to do with missing episodes, you're not allowed to do that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't really care about what people think I should or shouldn't do. Well, exactly. Um, you I'm, shouldn't you have know, to care about it, should you? Well, I don't care about it. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, so, um, you know, if people, you know... I mean, some some people kindly said, "Oh, he, he knew exactly what he was doing," and and, and I I admire the humour of that. I didn't have any clue that Doctor Who fans would be um, fascinated by that. Someone sent me an email and said, uh, "That was very naughty of you." <laughs> I didn't have a clue what they were talking about. Uh, well, I didn't so, even really notice it, to be perfectly frank. The last place I was expecting to hear about Web of Fear three would have been in a tweet from. You, frankly, which exactly. is not meant as any happen. disrespect, but this just would never not... happen. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It would never happen. It would never happen. It wouldn't. No, it, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be my call. And I certainly wouldn't hint at it in a picture. 
Yeah, yeah. So and some people on um, on the missing episodes forum. Yeah. Well, as you know, as you know, I'm a mod, a mod on it, and um, uh, so I've got to look at the posts, and I've been looking tonight at what people have been saying about the interview with Philip, um, uh, and they're focusing on how many cans of film are, are in the back of the shot, and whether the light illuminating. Uh. The can of film on the desk has it got any significance, and whether these are all subtle hints or anything, it's just all nonsense. They're just props. Yes, exactly. Um, so you know, I mean, it's 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 there to, you know, to to help tell part of the story. That's yeah, what they're there for. Well, on that note, then now we've gone over an hour and a half for our sixty minutes. So <clears throat> I think well, I, I hope. Shall... Look, I hope you'll be going and getting the scissors out and doing some editing. Oh, hell no. Why would I do that? <laughs> Paul, the the last two podcasts I did with you came to about 16 hours altogether, and they were immensely popular, including the one, the, the one that had absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with Doctor Who was just as popular as the other one. Why would I cut a single word of our conversation? God, I mean, it was a bit boring, wasn't it? I don't think it was boring. I think, uh, well, I, I've sat here for an hour and a half quite happily listening to you and I've barely interjected at all, which is not something I can say about most of the interviews I've done. So there you go. <laughs> Plus, it's well, been that's... a fascinating subject and it's been great to... It's been great to mark the passing of Stephen Hawking on the podcast because I thought it was something that was worth doing and it's been even better to get a really sort of personal account of what it was like to work with him, even for a fairly brief amount of time, but to get a little bit more of a picture of the person rather than, you know, what what you can get from Wikipedia or whatever. So for yeah, that, yeah. that was really nice of you to come in and do. Thanks. No problem. All right. Okay, so... Oh, I should mention before we go, this was our 300th episode, which we had amazing plans for no plans at all and uh now actually i think our 300th episode actually has something of substance and worth on it instead so that's another reason i should thank you oh, well that's i'm only here to help <laughs> but I'm here to please <laughs> but but i think we will get back to our normal run of things that i promised about a month ago that things have been coming up in instead for the last few weeks next week so next week we will be back to series six i can almost guarantee until the next thing comes up but until then thank you very much for joining me paul no problem uh and uh well i was jr and we'll speak again soon Stars at night, what makes them shine? Why does the rainbow look divine? Science, 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 science. Science, 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 science. A leaf is green, the sky is blue. I don't know why, I don't have a clue. But science helps me understand the sea, the sky, a tree, the land. Science, science. Thank you.
Some bucks up, some potatoes have a leaf on top. Science helps me know right now the why, the what, the when, the how. Science, science, science.